Well, hello and welcome to the latest Bible study catch-up for the Tabernacle series. And we're going to start looking at the symbols that surround the different offerings that were made to build the Tabernacle. So to do that, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet, and fine linen, and goat's hair, and ram skins dyed red, and badger's skins, and shittim wood, oil for the lights, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod, and in the breastplate, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And so we see the first of the offerings that the Lord required was gold. And so we are going to have a look at what gold means in a scriptural and a spiritual sense. So the first thing is gold is a metal. And it's the first of three metals that are used in the tabernacle which is gold silver and brass so what is a metal a metal is any class of substances characterized by high electrical and thermal conductivity as well as by malleability ductility and high reflectivity of light so that's according to the encyclopedia britannica so it's an electrical and heat conductor. It's used to transmit energy from one place to another, energy in the form of electricity or energy in the form of heat. And this speaks of its usefulness in transmitting God's messages to us. If we're hot on fire to God, we must use the metals that he's given us so his heat can flow through us. If we want to be energetic for God and have God's energy flow through us, we need to pay attention to how these metals are in our lives and how that symbol affects us. Metal is also characterized by the way in which you can stretch it out and work with it. You can form it into any shape that you need and we'll find this is also important. Each of these attributes uh, of metals can be applied in different situations they can be shaped according to the needs and last of all it's a high reflector of light all three metals that we will be studying have been used as mirrors to show people what they appear like and we know the bible talks in second corinthians chapter three about a mirror it says but we all with open face Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so there's something in the ability of metal to act as a reflector so we can see the image of God and we can see what we look like and we can change and be changed more and more into the image of God. Gold, silver and brass. Gold and silver are pure metals, while brass is an alloy of copper. 
usually copper uh, mixed with tin or zinc. Gold and silver and copper are very closely related. In the periodic table, which shows all known elements and is organized according to how their atoms are structured, they're in the same group. So that means they have very similar chemical properties to each other. They're all exceptionally good at conductors and they're all very soft metals. So what does gold represent? Gold represents deity. Gold is one of the highest valued metals in the world throughout all history. In fact, if you look at the history of metals, there are seven metals that were discovered early, prehistorically, in civilization. These are gold, copper, silver, lead, tin, iron, and mercury. And gold is the earliest discovered, easiest to work, and has the most surviving jewelry from the ancient times. Gold represents God. Historically, it's always been valued for its rarity, its striking color, its resistance to rust, but it's come to be one of the most valuable metals in the high-tech industry. And this is unlike aluminium, which was once valued for its rarity, but now is one of the most common metals. Gold has always held a place of value in human society. Gold represents God. Gold is the crown of, of the Son of God and is the crown of the elders sitting around the throne. Revelations chapter 14, verse 14, the coming of the Lord. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And then Revelations 4, chapter 4, verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Gold represents God, deity unchanging, incorruptible, and of greatest value. Gold's the most malleable of all the metals, and the softest. So malleability, gold, God fits into all situations. And we tend to think of God as very hard, but in fact he's slow to anger and of great mercy. He's not willing that any should perish. The other interesting thing about gold is it's usually found in nature in a pure form. Not much work is needed in order to purify gold to a very high level of purity. Usually you can weld gold nuggets together just by beating them with a hammer and this removes the impurities as well. So it's something that be, can be worked with very limited uh, resources which is why gold is found commonly in the ancient world because they didn't need high-tech furnaces in order to work that metal. And God is very pure wherever he's found. Gold doesn't tarnish, doesn't rust, it retains its shine. And gold is also found everywhere in all volcanic rocks, that is rocks that are formed naturally, born from the earth and not as a result of dust 
being pressurized and turning into rock, there is a very low concentration of gold. God is everywhere. But gold occurring in concentrations that make it profitable to mine is very rare. And so actually getting into the presence of God is just as rare. Christ is crowned with a crown of gold. Gold has some very interesting characteristics. You can take an ounce of gold, 28 grams, size of a very small egg, and you can beat that out to about 180, 190 square feet in extremely thin sheets without it losing its integrity. Gold leaf. Then you can use that gold leaf to plate things. Gold has been drawn out to very, very thin wires, even just a few atoms across. It's really quite remarkable that it can hold together and keep its integrity under this kind of duress. But that's a symbol of God, who can spread everywhere, cover everything, and stays, has an integrity that humans would like to have. So some of the uses for gold, other than the traditional use of ornaments, jewelry, and uh, money, because of its high value, because of its beautiful appearance, are in things like electrical plating. And because of its high conductivity and inertness, it doesn't react. The largest industrial use of gold is in the electric and electronics industry for plating contacts, terminals, for printed circuits, and for semiconductor systems. Because it's reliable at small scale to keep energy moving and flowing. You can beat gold so thin, as we said, that you can actually see through it. You can have transparent gold. And thin films of gold will reflect up to 98% of infrared radiation. And so they're used on satellites to control temperatures. The visors of spacesuits are covered with a layer of gold to protect the people inside so that only takes a very small amount of gold beaten very very thin to give a high level of protection again talking about god you don't need much god if you like to protect you from damaging energy damaging radiation and they use gold in a similar way on the offices of some large office buildings to reflect and increase the energy efficiency of the air conditioning and uh, add to the beauty of the building. And then, of course, gold has long been used for fillings and other repairs. And we can see other examples of the use of gold in the scripture that seem to have nothing to do with God directly. Most famously, the image of Nebuchadnezzar, that was the symbol of the Gentile empires that would have dominion over the world until the time that Christ came. Given that Christ destroys them, it's clear these things are antichrist. This is in Daniel chapter 2. And we can read in verse 31, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, 
a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms were of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet of part of iron and part of clay. Now sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image on his feet that were made of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, and beasts of the field, and the fowls of the air, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, it shall break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of iron, forasmuch as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And, whereas, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. The most godlike kingdom was represented by gold. Gold is a symbol that can be used for God or for the pinnacle, the head of the Antichrist, someone setting themselves up as a god in the place of God. And we can see this in the very next chapter of Daniel, where a godlike image was set up in gold to deceive the people. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits, he set it up in Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together all the princes, the governors, the captains and the judges, and the treasurers and the counsellors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. 
and they were called on to worship or be thrown into the fiery furnace. Spiritually speaking, there is the genuine gold of deity and an imitation gold of the enemy. And naturally speaking, there's real gold and there's also fool's gold. And this is apparent that there's an enemy of God that can imitate God from Ezekiel chapter 28, where it says in verse 11, Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation on the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in the garden of Eden. And so a point here, he's not actually talking to the king of Tyrus as the individual, but the spirit that is motivating and controlling the king of Tyrus. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, topaz, diamond, the beryl, onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast in the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Now sinned. Therefore will I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So in the beginning Satan had a covering of gold, and his sin was to turn that into rebellion against God. So spiritually speaking, there is a genuine gold of deity, and there is a, an imitation gold of the enemy. Looks like God, but isn't God. Wants to be worshipped as God, but isn't deserving of that, but will deceive many people. And naturally speaking, there is a real gold and a fool's gold, just like spiritually speaking. And we have to be wise to distinguish between the gold of God and the gold of the devil between the natural and the spiritual. And Psalm 19 points this out from verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. And so there's a comparison here between the word of God and gold and honey, those physical things, and saying it's better to seek after the word of God and that spiritual gold than physical gold. There is fool's gold, and it's very interesting here. Fool's gold is found in similar places to real gold. It's shinier than gold, but it's not gold. It's made of iron and sulfur. And sulfur is brimstone, 
and brimstone is what God brought down as judgment on Sodom, and iron represents the judgment of God in the Roman Empire and the iron skies that he promised to those who disobeyed him. There are some interesting characteristics. Fool's gold comes formed in crystals already, and it's brittle. It cannot be shaped. It's not malleable. It's hard. It's right. Uh, the way you find it is the way you've got to keep it. It produced sparks when it's struck with steel, and that was used in early firearms. And if you leave fool's gold in a pile and allow it to weather, you'll get acidic runoff. You'll get sulfuric acid. So it really speaks to me of a denominational, uh, pharisaical, anti-God spirit, that fool's gold, that while it looks good, it's not soft, you can't mould it. If you strike it and come against it, it'll produce sparks. If you leave it alone for long enough, it'll produce acid. And it's brittle, if you try and shape it and bend it, it will break in pieces. And this is characteristic of the attitude of many people who confess godliness, as the Pharisees did, but are not actually godly are of the opposite spirit the antichrist spirit and so the characteristics of those two metals are very telling when we're looking at gold and what it means and i hope that you've enjoyed that and next week on our catch up we'll have a look at silver god bless you